movies. And do you take this man to talk about them? I now pronounce you a podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Cor- uh, we're back. Welcome to Wife Watches. I'm the wife who watches. I'm the husband uh, that, that su- suggests and then uh, makes Oof. her watch. Not great. <laughs> but today... We're a little rusty. But today, Jason's the wife who watches. It's true. We have a little twist on the, the familiar premise that we do. you've all fallen in love with. But today, the film we're going to discuss is Little Women. Yep. The 1994 um, adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's book, yep. Little Women. Uh, so why why haven't you seen this movie? I always intended to. I just never got around to it. And I kept thinking oh. like, oh, because I would see it on Netflix every now and then. It, it goes on and off of Netflix. Sure. And then I knew Greta Gerwig was making a remake, so I thought I would wait. Well, and so even watching this, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should I have maybe waited and just watched the Greta Gerwig one? I'm glad you didn't. I'm interested to see um, how you like the, the new one. Well, and so some of my questions kind of come out of that of, I knew nothing about this movie going into it. Yeah, which is very, it was very fun for me to watch. I noticed every time you kind of like took note of something mm-hmm. and like the little things that you were like excited about. Oh yeah. That was really fun for me. I had, a little, I, I had a little notebook that I was making my little notes in. Yeah. I've seen this movie like you and like the Phantom Menace, I guess. Like, or Star Wars. I've, I've watched it forever. My whole life. Really? Yeah. I grew up with it. Um, so I've always loved it. Should we jump into... Let's just jump right into it. Okay. Let's give us some context I'm really this. excited about this. Yeah. As always, a spoiler warning for the 1994 and 2019 versions of Little Women. Uh, since this is a Courtney picks, um, she's going to be the one kind of leading the discussion, kind of hosting it. I'm going to be the one sitting back. Yeah. Uh, just trying to derail her like she would do to me. Yeah. Um, so, the year is 1994. The president, huh? Bill Clinton... Yeah. This year, Bill Clinton delivered his first State of the Union address, calling for health care reform, a ban on assault weapons, and welfare reform. And we've all gotten that. <laughs> thought that was interesting. Um, Nelson Mandela was inaugurated as South Africa's first black president in this year. Um, this was the year that Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Lyle Goldman are murdered outside the Simpson home in L.A. O.J. Simpson is later acquitted of the killings, but he's held liable in a civil suit. Jeff Bezos founds Amazon this year. Oh, what's that? Sorry, I'm, it's like 1994 me. Do you think OJ did it? <laughs> of course. Of course I do. Have you seen The People vs. OJ? Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, it's pretty damning. Um, Sony releases the PlayStation video game system in Japan. So oh. The very first PlayStation system. The chart topper of the year. I saw the sign. It opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Um, the sign by Ace of Base. Oh, yeah. Is the chart topper of the year. I was going to say Kiss by a Rose by Seal, but that was actually the next year, I think. Oh. Other ones were like Boys to Men songs. Of course. Mariah Carey. She's... The one that she sings. I always think of Casper, but I don't think it's in Casper. All I Want for Christmas. <laughs> so this this was made in 1994. It was an adaptation of... Uh, Louis May Alcott's Little Women, which was written in 1868, which is three years after the Civil War ends. Um, This film... That's when it was written. Yeah. Okay. 
This film was nominated for three Academy Awards, Best Actress, um, Winona Ryder, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score. Um, It's a coming-of-age period drama directed by Gillian Armstrong, or Gillian, probably Gillian, right? G. What else has she done? Anything of note? I didn't recognize that name. I don't know. Uh Uh-oh. Sorry. Should I look it up? No. That's a rule. We can't look up things while we're actually recording. okay. Okay. Limited, it was a limited release on December 21st, 1994. The film was released nationwide four days later, so Christmas Day, by Columbia Pictures. And it's dedicated to murder victim Polly Kloss, which sent me down a rabbit hole. Are you going to say what that was? Yeah. You okay. just got to wait. <laughs> okay. Um, so do you just want to give us, like, a, like, from start to finish, what happened? It's the Civil War, and they're in Concord, as you and some of the people in the movie call it. Well, what do you call it? Concord. That's stupid. Lexington and Concord. Nah. Listeners, tweet at us. Who is right? What What's the best way to Concord. pronounce Concord? Okay. There's a family of little women. Um, there's a mother and four little women. And their dad is off at war. And it's Christmas time. The girls, um, they have these plays together and they play around and... Christian Bale is their neighbor, which caught me off guard. I had no idea he was in yeah, this. Yeah, you did a big, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, you had no idea who was in this. No. I love in that. fact, I'll even just say this before I go even further. I knew zero things about this. I knew Winona Ryder was in it. I knew Susan Sarandon was in it because I'd seen the poster. Mm-hmm. I knew it was based off a book. I knew it was... Did you know when the book was published? No. I knew it was probably a period piece, but maybe if it hadn't have been, that wouldn't have surprised me because all I knew was that picture. I knew our, our girl Winona was in it <laughs> of Stranger Things. Uh, younger viewers will know her from Stranger Things. And so the entire time I was watching it, I kept thinking like, because is, is it just one book? Is it a series yeah. of books? No, it's not a series. I think it's just one book. Okay. so the twi- I've never read it. So I, for some reason, thought it might be a series of books, and I thought this was an adaptation of one of the books, and the Greta Gerwig one would be an adaptation of a different book oh, in the series. Oh, no. No, yeah. It's the same. It's a little different, though. Okay. Christian Bell really surprised me. Mm-hmm. He's their neighbor. He's very wealthy, and he uh, becomes their friend, and they're all just, uh, what a what a group, and growing up together, you know, when you're just kids, you're just... He's clowning around with them. He's one of the he's one of the gals. He's he's inducted <laughs> into their theater troupe. Which is? Do you know? Do you remember what it's called? It's like the the Pin Dick Society. <laughs> Pickwick. Oh, uh, the Pickwick Society. And his teacher has the hots for the oldest sister. Do you know who his teacher is? His tutor. No. Eric Stoltz. Oh, really? Yeah. The only the only thing I really know about Eric Stoltz what? is that he was supposed to be Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Yeah. With. Jan. Serenity by Jan. Yeah. I heard it was that the chemistry between him and... What is her name? Oh, Jan Levinson? Yeah. No, no, no. It was this. They fired Eric Stoltz. They didn't like Eric Stoltz. Oh, I thought that they just didn't... They didn't have chemistry. I don't know if it was that. He, I've heard they was, he was playing Marty a bit darker than they wanted or a bit more troubled oh. or angry. Anyway, they got Michael J. Fox and Michael J. Fox was too short for Jan Levinson Gould. So they fired her. Yeah. Okay, that's right. And brought in... um. Adventures in Babysitting. No. Oh, you're right. Elizabeth Shue plays that character in the second and third one. They recast her. Weird. You know who her daughter is? Not Elizabeth Shue. The The original girl's daughter is who? The girl from... (laughs) (laughs) The girl from Zombieland 2. 
Oh, Zoe, no kidding. Zoe Dutch. Wow. And Elizabeth Shue, I've told you, is my uncle's cousin. What? I told you that. I think it's first cousin. If any of my cousins are listening, please reach out and let me know. Wow, Eric Stoltz. That's that's too bad. I always feel kind of bad for when that happens to actors. Yeah, because now it's like, oh, Eric Stoltz. He's he's in um, some kind of wonderful. This is all staying in. Where did we? <laughs> where did we? How did we get here? Eric Stoltz, and I feel bad for Eric Stoltz. Can I also tell you another actor I feel bad about? Mm-hmm. Uh, a little actor known as Doug Ray Scott. Have you ever heard that name? No. I bet you haven't. <laughs> because he was the villain in Mission Impossible 2. And he was hired to play another role, which I'll reveal in a second. But they had to do reshoots for Mission Impossible 2. It was either they had reshoot, reshoots or they went over schedule anyway. And he was already like under contract for Mission Impossible 2. So he had to get out of this other role that he had been contracted for. Do you know what role that was? It was Wolverine in the first X-Men yes. movie. Yes, yes. He was like, oh, Mission Impossible. I'll do that one instead. In your mind, wouldn't you be like, oh, yeah. X-Men, like Mission Impossible. Like, well, he's, he was already obligated to stay with Mission Impossible in that production. Okay. They hired Russell Crowe, and Russell Crowe couldn't because he, uh, like, to, to like replace Doug Ray Scott, they got Russell Crowe, but he was like, I can't because I'm already, like, obligated to Gladiator. I can't. It, it won't work out. But I'll recommend my other Australian friend, Hugh Jackman. Who was a tiny guy. Who no time. one knew who he was. He'd done some, he did Oklahoma. He wasn't even famous enough that when they brought Oklahoma, he played Oklahoma in Australia or like somewhere internationally. When they were doing it around the States, they didn't bring him and they brought Patrick Wilson instead of Hugh Jackman. Oh my gosh. That's how little people knew of Hugh Jackman circa 99, 2000. Wow. No one knows who Doug Ray Scott is. That is sad. And everyone knows who Hugh Jackman is. Oh, that's really sad. <laughs> I know. Anyway, so Meg and John Brooke. Um, they have a little courtship and they start falling in love. Mm-hmm. And there's like some hijinks. She like cut, they, they get to burns her hair and she sprains her ankle. And there's kind of like a will they, won't they, even between Christian Bale's character a little bit and her. Um, but he only has eyes for Winona Ryder. So we have Marmy, played by Susan Sarandon. Yeah, Susan Sarandon is mom. Um, then we have Meg, Trini yeah. Alvarado, who basically did not do anything else. Yes. Then we have Joe, Josephine March, played by Winona Ryder. Then we have... Beth, played by Claire Danes. Yeah. And then we have Amy, played by Kirsten Dunst. And then somebody else. I don't even know who that yeah. girl is. The not Kirsten Dunst. The later. not Kirsten Dunst. I love Kirsten Dunst in it. She's great. She is really, really good. Yeah. I can see why she did well mm-hmm. when she did in the 90s. Because she would have gone from this to Jumanji. I love the part. The What, what I remember from being little is... The part where it's Christmas morning and the girls are all coming down and they're all talking about the food. And she grabs the orange and she's talking... Well, before she grabs the orange, she's like, isn't butter divinity? Do you remember that part? Yeah. And she like has all these little stupid lines that you're like, little girls are so stupid. <laughs> you know, like, and like, what, what a what a time period to have a... Like, to be especially precocious as yeah. a little kid. Yeah. I love that part. And then she sets down her orange on top of the... Oh, she's hiding it first. She covers it completely with her hands when she's holding it to her when they find out they're going to give the bread to someone in more need than they are. Yeah. They go to the theater. Amy's really upset that she can't go to the theater. She burns her book. Yeah. Yeah. The one that um, Joe's been working on. Yeah. She gets really upset. And you know what? She should be because... (laughs) That was awful. That was awful. And that's a lot of work, especially in those days. You, You don't... You, you don't mess. You can't control S that. You know what I mean? There's no... I know. Yeah. It's really, really That was messed up. Part. 
Yeah. yeah. Joe and Laurie are going ice skating. So they she can't forgive her. She's so mad at her. They go ice skating. She ignores her. She and Laurie skate off together. Yeah. And then you hear a crack in the ice and Amy falls through the ice. Laurie and Joe save her. And then they have that, that sweet moment in the bed where they're talking about, how could I be so mad at my sister? Which is, as a sister... Mm-hmm. very relatable as sure. a person it's very relatable but like i've had those moments where you're just so mad at your sister shout out to amy and julie you're so mad at your sister that you just feel like you can never forgive them or even like a really good friend and then something happens and you're like i can't believe i was that mad at you yeah so and then she had like a clothespin on her nose trying to reshape her nose i thought that was funny mm-hmm. um what's the deal with limes so the limes were like probably rare, and so it was like fashionable to have limes. They could trade for different things. It Why was, like was she in money. trouble for having limes? Because the teacher, it was a disruption, and also those other girls blamed Amy for everything. So she got the whole, she got the brunt. Of oh it. yeah, and they really, they really banged up her hand. Yeah, the teacher did. Yeah. Then they find out that father has been wounded. <laughs> My father as well. <laughs> father March. Call yeah. me Courtney March from now. <laughs> you know, I was actually, I was a little, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if Father March is going to be someone I know. And he's going to show up and I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, Kevin Harvey Costner. Harvey Keitel. And it was just a guy I'd never seen before who yeah. looked a lot older than Susan Sarandon. But you know what? That was the era. It was the era. Um, yes, he falls ill in the war. He gets wounded and she goes to see him. Meanwhile, Claire Danes... Uh, Holds a baby for too long and gets sick too. Yes. So then the she, Hummel's baby. Yeah, the Hummel's baby. She comes down with it as well. Marmy comes home. They nurse her back to health. Mm-hmm. Amy leaves. Amy leaves. She goes and spends time with Aunt March. So that's how she kind of gets the whole. That's how she gets Aunt in. March thing. Okay. She gets in with Aunt March. Aunt March discovers that Amy is going to. She's gonna save the March family because she's gonna marry well. Marry so someone rich. Because she she has this painting ability, so she can go to France and find someone. Four years later. Four years later. It takes four years for Meg and Eric Stoltz to get married from the time <laughs> when they decide they want to get married. I thought that too. No That's one. That's where I wonder if there's more in the book that like they just totally skip over. And so they're married. For the beauty of the. Earth. Yeah, what a weird marriage ceremony. Mm-hmm. As marriage ceremonies go, pretty lame. Mm-hmm. They're in a gazebo. People are dancing around them singing hymns. Uh, the older people are off looking bored. <laughs> uh, Christian Bale tells Winona Ryder, I want to marry you. And she says, no. She gives him the hard no. What did you think about she that? She friend zones him real hard. Thought it was, I, well, I kind of figured that was going to happen, actually. Really? Yeah. Interesting. There has to be some kind of drama. There has to be some kind of point of conflict mm-hmm. in a period piece like this. And mm-hmm. that's usually what it is. Unrequited love. And I guess to be fair, I'd known from the trailers from the Greta Gerwig one that one of the sisters isn't interested in marriage. Oh. And I kind of figured, I guess... That's a bummer. Um, Something that the director said was that they chose Christian Bale because they needed... Because Christian Bale and Winona Ryder had a lot of chemistry and it's very important for that role. You want them to get together and you have to be kind of like upset and sad and just every or time think you watch like, it why would you not marry that guy yeah just every time you watch it think like oh are like, they gonna get together you oh, know because yeah. they're so compatible and she's upset but she's like well i'm gonna go to europe then uh, but amy who is not kirsten dunst at this point says well i'm going to go now it was just decided 
and mm-hmm. Winona Ryder, she goes, That's she leaves, and she meets her, a German philosopher. Mm-hmm. She's in a boarding house. Mm-hmm. And they have many conversations of that are intellectually stimulating, and they are, you know, they're most attracted to each other's brains. And <laughs> they respect each other uh, first and foremost, and that turns into a romance. Mm-hmm. And they find that they fall in love with each other. So Amy and Aunt Marge go to Europe. Yeah, Christian Bell runs into her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, maybe I'm into you now. And he's got a little, you know, Christian Bell's never really been able to grow that great of facial hair. I've noticed that. He hits on her and she's almost engaged to another guy. He cleans up his act. He goes to London to learn, learn the trade, to learn to be a banker like his grandfather. And that warms over Amy. I honestly was expecting something worse to happen with them. I thought it was kind of setting up that he was going to be very bitter or like really changed a lot and there was going to be something bad was going to go down. But they don't. He just kind of, she has one conversation with him where she says, I think you should change. He's like, I guess I will. And then they're fine. He loves the March sisters. Yeah. And I thought that was going to be like an issue more because she brought up a good reason, a good point where it's like, you, you wanted to marry my sister and now you're into me. Like, I feel like his response back to that was kind of weak. It made me wonder how many times that, like, how often that really did happen. I'm sure it happened all the time. Yeah. They get married. They're happy. Um, Claire Danes comes down sick again. And Winona Ryder goes to visit her. And she dies. It, that's the the audition. That was Claire Danes' audition. Oh, really? Yeah, dying. Um, that was the only scene that they had to do, like, a reshoot for. Because the film got ruined. Like, some chemical spilled on it, and the film got... The film for that part got ruined. Oh, really? So they had to reshoot it. That sucks. That's that's rough. Yeah. Um, I, I did... I really like that scene. I feel like there's a lot of humanity in that, and it was very sad. I kind of think some movies try to be overly flowery, and they kind of mistake that for being deep. Some things are just, like, simply put that can be, like, really powerful. Mm-hmm. So her just simply saying, like, I've always kind of thought I wouldn't... Nothing would really happen in my life. Like, that's kind of a very sad idea. And then she's I'm, like... I'm fine with this. Like, that's... It's really sad. And then she's like, I'm the one who gets to go ahead, finally. No, very I, heartbreaking. I, I like that scene. I did think it was a little weird that um, she went to the window and she turned around. That was when she died. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, a couple minutes before, Winona Ryder was, like, in character reading a book and doing something very goofy. That's how the scene started. Oh, yeah. And if she had just kept doing that for five minutes, would she have died during her performance? Something I thought about. (laughs) That would have been such a weird... I know. And Meg has a baby. She has twins, Mm -hmm. if you can believe it. Eric Stoltz can't. (laughs) Amy and Laurie come home. Uh, There's a whole thing with Winona Ryder and the the German professor. Because she is submitting these uh, schlocky stories to be published. And he's honestly kind of a prick about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, people are trying to hustle, okay? Like, (laughs) however people make money, like, just, like, cut it out. Stop being so, yeah. And I think he kind of feels bad about it, but... And then he takes her to the opera. I don't know if I like that guy very much. Really? He, He took her to the opera, and he's just like... And this is when this happens. And this is when this happens. Well, he, it's in German. I guess so. It's She can't understand, so he's, he's explaining it to her. I don't know. It looked like uh, a little bit of mansplaining, actually. Oh, jeez. Oh, so you're you're into vampires then? Here's my... And she's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to make money. He's like, 
I I would never sell out that way. I only write about things of the heart, and it's only when it's only when she then writes a book that he deems is worthy of literary like accomplishment that he's like, I was wrong about you. I'd have been I'd have been like, you know what? I like what I like, and you can go like what you like, and screw you for for being judgmental about the things that I like. This is one of those things that's like the Luke and Leia thing, where it's like you're seeing this as that, but like in 1860. That would be like very progressive. That like their relationship and him being like her being like, oh yeah, women should vote because a man votes just because he's a man. A woman shouldn't have to vote just like a woman shouldn't get to vote just because she's good. She should get to vote because she's a but, citizen. And but he's I'm like, saying rah, rah, rah. he only respects what she does when she finally writes something that he thinks is good. I understand. I understand what you're saying. In 1868, these things were like, were they're nowhere near where like how far feminism has come since then. Absolutely. But, like, back then, that was, like, a very progressive... He was trying to push her. He wanted her to be more intellectual. It's true. She writes her book, A Story mm-hmm. of Her Life. It's He loves it, and his publisher loves it, and he comes to tell her in person. And then in the sopping rain, he's like, I'm going to go leave now to go teach in the West. And she's like... I'm not the married one. You can stay here and teach in this house I was just inherited. And then they, they love each other and they kiss. Yep. What did and you think of the, the last line woman. where he says, Joe, such a little name for such a person. Okay, so overall, what did you think of the movie? I liked it. How many little women would you give it? Can we do halves? No. Half women? No. No such thing. I would give it three little women. Honestly, I would probably give it three and a half little women. Wow. Or three big women and one little woman. <laughs> so writer Robin Swicord and Columbia's executive vice president of production spent 12 years trying to get someone to make the movie. And a, an article in the New York Times that was published in September of 2019, they interviewed tons of people from the movie. They interviewed Robin Swicord and Gillian Armstrong, um, oh, they, Winona Ryder. They did like an oral history kind of a... Yeah, talking how, how about... How to make that. Yeah. 25 years ago. I kind of don't... doesn't seem like it was 25 years ago. Uh, yeah. But that is a long time ago. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Did you know I didn't know her... I didn't I didn't think her name was Winona for a long time when what I was little. What did you think it was? Winoa. Oh. And I thought people were saying it weird, like Winona, like that was like a nickname. Oh, weird. About the time of Mr. Deeds is when I realized who actually was <laughs> that was Winona. a long, long time after she <laughs> was like the it girl. Yeah. Robin Swicord said, people just weren't that interested in a movie with a lot of women in it, especially women wearing long dresses. Producer Denise Denovi said, at the time it was almost impossible to get female-driven films made. They called them needle-in-the-eye movies where a guy would say to his wife, I'd rather have a needle in the eye than go to that movie. And this one had little and women in the title. Columbia said if you get Winona Ryder, we'll maybe consider it. So Amy um, and Robin went to Denise, who was the producer, because she had a great relationship with Winona. And Winona Ryder was at the time the big it girl. She had just been in Heathers and... Not Beetlejuice. Edward Scissorhands. Yes. Yeah. So, in fact, when I was watching it, I was placing everyone in within their respective careers of where they were and where yeah. they would go on to. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Unbeknown to them, Winona Ryder had recently been drawn to uh, the Alcott book, Under Tragic Circumstances. 
The previous year, 12-year-old Polly Kloss was abducted and murdered in Petaluma, California. I think it's Petaluma, California, where Ryder grew up. Polly dreamed of being an actress and starring in Little Women. Polly Kloss was at a sleepover at her house. She had a bunch of friends over, and a man broke in. He kidnapped Polly. Um, Her body was found a couple months later, and then he was convicted, like, years later. And this is in Winona Ryder's hometown, so she felt really close to it, and um, she said it was an incredibly heartbreaking situation. Polly's parents gave her a copy of the book, and without a, within about a month, she happened upon Robin Swicord's script. It was the it was a weird alignment, so that she is, had like an emotional tie. That is such a weird coincidence. I know. Joe, the main character, who's played by Winona Ryder, is supposed to be plain and gangly, but they wanted her because she was like all over everything. So that's kind of how the movie got made. They got Winona Ryder. That's pretty. That's kind of typical. Um, you can secure a lot more funding and get more people signed on board if you get like you try to get someone on. I read in one of these things that they had Winona Ryder and Christian Bale, who was also coming starting off, off of Newsies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had those two, and they just kind of like got everyone else just like along the way. I was reading. I was listening to an interview with Ryan Johnson about Knives Out. He talked about how he was able to get. I mean, he already obviously had some clout because of like Looper and Star Wars. But once he got Daniel Craig locked in, that like secured all this extra funding. Interesting. Because once you get big names with it, then yeah. people will be like, "Yeah, this is a good, this is a worthy investment. We can get our money back." Yeah, it's very interesting. Christian Bale would teach the girls um, the Newsies dances between takes, and they would like dance in their oh, really? outfits. So I think I think it's really funny. Um, Claire Danes' quivering chin basically got her the role. She was strong and made the film feel less Disney, which is what they were trying to avoid, and more real life. Uh, Natalie Portman and Thora Birch read for the part of Amy March, and they debated whether they were going to keep Amy as two Amys, or if they were just going to have Amy be played by one actress. And the if they went with one actress, they were pretty sure they were going to go with Reese Witherspoon, because she could play younger and she could play older. But they um, ended up going... With two Amy's, how'd you like that? It, com- it threw me off completely. Yeah. The time jump happens, and they're having a conversation, and I notice this blonde girl is just with them. Uh huh. And I turned to you and I said, "Who is that? Am I supposed to know who that is?" Yeah. Yeah. I don't love. I remember being little and that being like jarring to me as well. I personally. It wouldn't have been as jarring if they had done something to dramatically age up everyone else. Yeah, but they didn't. No. Well, they all look Amy, basically the same. Amy and Joe. Each of the girls are like a year apart. They're not, there's not a huge di- distance. So Amy and Joe would be like two years apart. I don't, I don't love it. So I would have been, in- I would be interested to see what the, like, that would have looked like with Reese Witherspoon playing both parts. Um, Hugh Grant sent in a tape um, to play Professor Bear. And the women recalled that they, the women, like the producers and the director, recalled that they had a crush on him because he was also like starting or like he was kind of a knit guy. At the time. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, they decided that he was too young and stunningly beautiful. Um, John Turturro. Do you know who that is? I do. Lobbied to be. He, he lobbied for that role as well. Oh, I could see that. I could too. I looked him up. Uh, some other fun facts. Claire Danes caught her wig on fire while they were shooting the scene of Christmas night. Or Christmas Eve when they were going up the stairs and they had candles in their hair. Claire Danes spent a lot of time in hospices and did a lot of research on people passing away. Susan Sarandon told Kirsten Dunst that she wore a different perfume for each of her roles. So Kirsten Dunst started doing that too <laughs> as a little girl. Oh, know? really? Yeah. Um, the studio's expectations were so low that executives were caught off guard when they saw the finished product. 
one of the producers said, 15 men in suits watched the rough cut and one of the most moving, memorable moments of my life was when the lights came up and they said, we were dreading having to come and see this little girl's film, but we loved it and we cried. We want to give you some more money. Um, the funny thing about the movie in general was that men would cry and be so surprised. Women knew that Beth died and they were more prepared for it. Did you know that Beth was going to die? I knew nothing about this movie. Right. So no. There's a point in the movie where when she is not feeling well, when she has the baby and then she's like, I'm not feeling well, where I thought, oh, this is going to be one of these movies. Yeah. Where sometimes movies kicks into like to be sort of about a character having an illness and then other people grappling with that. Mm-hmm. And but then she doesn't die the first time. That's true. But Did you know she was going to die? I kind of figured she might actually. Did you cry? I didn't. <laughs> Whoa. I did, several times. I always cry in that movie. Uh, Winona Ryder said it's actually one of her f- the few movies of hers that she doesn't turn off when, when it comes on because she really likes it and was such a special experience. Um, Denobi said, in some ways it feels like the world has not changed very much in terms of the relevancy of this story and how much we need to tell it. It's probably more important to do it now than it was in 1994, sadly. I do think Greta Gerwig was able to be a little bit more feminist and Winona Ryder said, I think every generation deserves their own little women. That was everything. That is a touching sentiment. Well, it was fun. I, when I went, the first time I saw it, with, I went with my nieces, and it was so fun to see, you know, my nieces asking questions. When you saw the new one? Yeah. So this will be theirs, you know, that they yeah. remember seeing in theaters. And... So you mentioned that this was kind of hard to get made. Mm-hmm. There was a big boom in the mid-90s, and this was like the start of it of period pieces based on old literature like Sense and Sensibility and Emma and like all of these authors a lot of these like a lot of books like this well I wouldn't even say them I would say like you had a kind of like an explosion in the mid 90s of period pieces like um, Pride and Prejudice yeah yes Pride and Prejudice you had some like other like Shakespearean adaptations that were pretty big in the 90s like Much Do About Nothing I would say stories that were like this, that were kind of more focused around... Oh, like coming of age type? Coming of age, focused okay, on like, yeah. like the, the problems that like women had in these eras and like kind of like how they grapple with the way society is like working around them. But yeah, I think that's really interesting that like this, there was like a boom of films that were very similar to that in the mid 90s. And this yeah. was like the start of it. Um, and whenever I watch these movies, I always, I always think, what a miserable time to be alive. That's like 1868? A, I think about that all the time. I know. I do too. I think it's so funny that people kind of... This would have been a miserable time to be alive. Sure. You could just hold a baby for five seconds and that would be enough to end your life. <laughs> Hygiene was probably terrible. Society was awful. People sucked then. Like the rich girls that were just terrible who didn't care about child slavery. Yeah. Her old aunt that was just awful and stuck in her ways. I always think that. I think about Amy going to stay with Aunt March. Uh huh. And I remember thinking about this when I was little too, just being like, "What, what would, she, what would she do? What That's, would she do over there?" What do you do? I was thinking about this when we watched Sense and Sensibility lately. What do you do? They, they don't have any like source of income because the dad has died. I was even thinking this. They couldn't even have a party unless Alan Rickman invited them to one. <laughs> you know, they just like yeah. sit in the house. And at one point she's like, I might go for a walk. And they're like, oh, I wouldn't go for a walk. What do you do? You just darn and you just sit and you stare and you read a lot of books. Yeah. And at least in this one it showed, I guess in their pastime you would write write stories and act them out mm-hmm. and like goof around with you know, the neighbor boy. I think about that every time I read or watch A Christmas Carol. 
Why would and he just comes home and sits in front of the fire? Or even like he's like, Can I have Christmas Day off? It's like, why do you need it off? What are you gonna do? <laughs> but like if you were, you would because you wouldn't know what you were missing. That's right? true. So it would be like you would just I'm sure like fifty years two hundred years from now, people are gonna be like Be like weird Wow, time. they sat and watched movies instead of walked into the movie. <laughs> yeah. Virtual reality. We played a virtual reality game on Christmas Day. We did, it was cool. Yeah, it was kind of I a, liked a it. taste of the future. Yeah. Well, do you think people in the 18th century looked back on the 15th century and thought like, oh, how boring. Probably. Like, well, they didn't have even have model ships to make. <laughs> Something in like so many Jane Austen movies and books and stuff, they'll always say, let, let, let us take a turn about the room. And they'll stand up and just walk around the room. <laughs> they'll like link arms and walk around the perimeter of the room while people are like drawing or like playing the piano. So I watched another one called Dangerous Liaisons, which yeah. is I think 18th century, um, which is about, is kind of like a little raunchy, but about like these people trying to like outmaneuver other people and like have these devious little plots. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what you would do to fill your time. Of course, these societies were like overly structured and had like weird like societal rules and etiquette because what else do you have to fill your day with than learning these weird all these all the etiquette you need to know yeah. to go oh you put your knife you put your fork on this side yeah. oh and it's it's and they have dances and dances were like the crux of your social life oh what do you think about that scene when they're dancing I liked that's the thing I feel like in some movies it's life is seen as so rigid and joyless and this one felt less that way yes where I was like and you know. It, I, I'm also like, the movies I have in mind are also a cross-section of 200 years worth. You know what I mean? And this yeah. is, this wasn't that long ago, honestly, this happening. I think that's why they I They screwed around and pe some people were kind of disapproving, but most people were just like, just let people enjoy life. And I mm -hmm. feel like this might have been like the turning point. I love that Meg stays proper. I, like, that's something I love about each of the characters have their things that they, they feel like, like very round characters because they never deviate from like who they are like Meg is always concerned about being proper and like doing the right thing and she's she's always very concerned about money and fortune in a way that Amy is not like they're both concerned with money and fortune but the way that Meg is is kind of like oh I wish I could have that you know it's not like I'm going to have that and Joe doesn't care about any of that. Beth doesn't really care about any of that. Beth just wants, like, a home. Joe wants to be on her own. And Amy wants to, like, really rely on someone for money. She wants to be really wealthy. Those things make them very round characters because they stick to that. And they have so many opportunities to show that, to show those characteristics along the way. It's a, it's a balancing act when you have a lot of characters to between those two things of, like, Giving them enough personality that they're distinct people from each other, mm -hmm. but also not being like, uh, well, there's not enough time to really give them rounded personalities so this person sleeps. Like, this, <laughs> yeah. this person, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This person's uptight. Like, that's like their one trait. And so, yeah, I felt like this, and I, I wondered if when the movie started, if it was going to be like that. Oh, and you didn't feel like it was. No. I thought it was, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of, you know, Jane Austen, mostly like Pride and Prejudice, like the characters are similar. I, I think it's interesting that to think about where you get your ideas from, it's mm -hmm. always kind of just like, these are very like, these are very um, relatable families and like the way that sisters interact with each other is similar. And it's, it's interesting, I'm interested in like thinking about how 
Louisa May Alcott would get her inspiration from Jane Austen the way that I would get inspiration from another writer. J.K. Rowling. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's all we got. Oh, Jason, do you want to do some impressions? Yeah. Okay. What's your impression of uh, Marmy? Oh. <laughs> oh, Joe, you people, you people will always love you. You love, you have too many talents. What about um, Laurie? Joe, I know that you'll love someone with your whole heart for your whole life, and that won't be me. And I can't be around here to watch it, watch it go on anymore. I'm gonna grab my jacket, but I'm gonna do it in a way that I don't have to touch you. So I'm gonna do it really kind of awkward. I'm gonna grab my jacket that's hanging right there. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have hung it there on the other side before I knew how this conversation was gonna go out. Uh, goodbye, Joe. He couldn't quite kick the accent. <laughs> well, he's kind of got like a little bit of a brogue. Oh man, that, that was great. Is there another funny one to do? Beth. Oh. Uh, I feel like that would be inappropriate. <laughs> okay, well you gave it three little women. You gave it three big women and one little yeah. woman. Um, I how many? How many out of out of four? That's a four. That's a four women for me. Okay. Four little women. Well, you know what? When we see the new one, we might revisit it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can we can kind of compare I'm, notes about which one you like more. Don't tell me now. I'm not going to. Okay. I'm very interested to see what. I'm very like excited about the conversation I'll have tomorrow night. Oh my gosh. Because I have a lot of thoughts, but this one will always be a, a four little women for me. Listeners, in what must feel like moments to you, hours have passed. Mm-hmm. We saw the 2019 Greta Gerwig adaptation of Little Women tonight. We did. Yep. We, haven't, wanna... we haven't talked about it. No, we were, we were silent on the way home. Yeah. What did you think of the movie? I loved it. Really? I loved that movie. It was so good. Oh, did you like it better than the first one? I did. What did you think about it? I don't think I could ever love anything as much as I love the first one. Uh-huh. <clears throat> However, it was so good. As I was watching, I thought about that, about how you probably are so nostalgic for the 1994 version. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of showing you Star Wars because I think like The Empire Strikes Back is the best of them. And I think you enjoyed... Like the original ones, but you were kind of like, yeah, they're they're good for what they are, I think. Uh-huh. But then you genuinely were engaged with The Last Jedi. Yeah. And I think that's because modern storytelling is just better in some ways and more, just more gripping. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I felt with this. Just the filmmaking, the quality and the production of the filmmaking yeah, was fantastic. It was so good. So I wonder, is the novel told in a linear Yes. Okay. Yeah. I haven't read it, to be clear. But you do but know, I know that. But okay. I know that it is, yeah. I Amy told w- me the book The book does not, it's it, not like this. It just goes front to front to finish. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Like any book. <laughs> I was, I thought that was really interesting that she chose to kind of tell it, to structure it that way and tell it out of order. I did too, because I feel like something she did very, very, very well was she kept in all of the, I mean, it was like a little different. There were some like peppered added in things but well, for yeah, the most part some things were given a little bit more emphasis mm-hmm. in, depending on the adaptation which I thought was interesting it's always interesting to compare those yeah so I thought it was I thought she did a really good job at like making it different while still keeping the 
like beloved story. It like it wasn't unnecessary <laughs> to make this. No, yeah. no, there was it felt nothing. Very relevant. It wasn't a shot-for-shot remake like The Lion King. No, it felt, and it just a, it did felt feel another modernized. 2019 uh, update of a 1994. That's weird. I have a few questions for you. Okay, first, first, can I tell you that uh, I thought it was that the way that that was structured was most effective when um, Beth dies. I that's what I was gonna to ask show you. the contrast between the two. I thought that was really good. But interestingly, I think when you structure it that way, you do lose some of the narrative surprises that I experienced watching the original one, like in this version, you know immediately that um, Laurie is turned down. They reveal that early on when he goes and sees um, Amy again when they're older. Mm -hmm. And so you know that's coming the entire time. And that I mean, that was like, I mean, it wasn't like a complete shock, but like right. things are revealed that way. And yeah. And it's banking on you've already seen. You've already seen Little One. Maybe not being human, but like, it's that's why it's there. I don't think so. I don't. I don't necessarily. Well, maybe, but I'm sure it assumes that people are familiar with it. I feel like it was made for people who love this story and who love the but, first. But I still think movie. if you didn't know anything about I, it, that's that's why it's so effective, right? Because it still works. Yeah, there are other things that are revealed. There are other things that when you're telling that story in that kind of structure, the other things are revealed in a more satisfying way. Uh huh. Anyway. Beth's death in the 1994 version, you had a lot to say about it. This one, this version, 2019, uh-huh. how, do, how do you compare them? I thought this one was better. I don't like when, not this, and I wouldn't say that this was a fake out, but sometimes in movies they pretend like a character is going to die or they, they die seemingly off screen but are revealed later in the movie. Mm-hmm. So then when it does happen, it kind of undercuts a little bit takes away the impact a bit in my mind at least so watching her get very sick in 1994 little women and having that teased and then her not dying only to reveal later on in life she ended up succumbing to the sickness again and Mm -hmm. dying again Mm -hmm. it kind of just stretched out the emotional impact of it whereas this kind of when you parallel them um it almost uses her recovering to underscore how tragic it is that she doesn't recover later in her life so I feel like just narratively it was more impactful to mm. put to sandwich those together mm-hmm. rather than spread it out through the movie. I totally agree. I completely agree. Thank you. I also thought about this too because I told you that I didn't cry during really any of that any of those sequences mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. Like some scenes that are built to evoke like a really strong emotion like to make you cry sometimes mm-hmm. don't like reach me in that moment. It's cuz you're dead inside. That's little. that could be it. Mhm. But what really gets me in movies sometimes is little little random things like, w- will hit me in a weird way. Or I'll be thinking about things later on, and then it will trigger something Well, in did me. that happen? Yeah. It, and I remembered it happened in the 1994 version as well, when, um, when Laurie's grandpa gives her the piano for Christmas mm-hmm. in the 1994 version. That really hit me in a weird way, and I got emotional. And basically every time... Uh, it's not Chris Cooper. It's Chris Cooper, right? I don't know. That's the guy that... I always mix up Chris Cooper and Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper is one from the 50s. This is Chris Cooper. Okay. Anytime he was on screen or alluding to, or anytime it showed him him like seeing Beth and his daughter, it really affected me like the most of, the, of anything else in the movie. Yeah. Like when she's playing the piano and he's just kind of off around the corner listening. I knew that was going to affect you. I, I did. I don't know what it is, but that... You know what it is? It's... 
It's the little... It's the unstated things. Yes. And I think And I think a character dying and everyone reacting to it so much and feeling it so much sometimes kind of takes away the emotion from me. Mm-hmm. This is a weird thing. But like those little things, those little like ticks, I guess, or like smaller understated moments, for some reason, those can... He just kind of holds his... He holds his like... Or he puts his hands up towards his face and he just kind of listens to her. Yeah. And you think he's going to lose it, but he doesn't. Or even later on when um, Friedrich is playing the piano and they're all just kind of welling up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Those little moments are the ones that really... I wish I, I, I wish I had like a note, notebook in there to write down all the things, but I'm just yeah. thinking of like little little things that I liked throughout it that kind of brought it to life. Like when they have the big uh, conversation where Lori's like, I love you. And she says, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, that's such a, gr- that is shot so beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's such a great setting all around them. This like e- evening fall, like locale. But then when he runs off and she just collapses to the ground. Mm-hmm. The, and also a really great use of editing is when um, Amy goes to tell Aunt March, Meryl Streep, <laughs> That she uh, refused Fred. Is it Fred? Yeah. And it's kind of weird. They're both free. One's Friedrich, one's Fred. It was a different time. <laughs> and it cuts to, as she's saying, like, what's wrong? You just cut to a silent, like, a perfectly uh, framed shot of him on one knee. I don't know. Like All of these things, I was like, he's going to love this. He's going he's gonna to love that. He's going to uh, love that. Greta Gerwig is so good. Yeah. She is. She's it was just fantastic. weird. The things that I, I think that I was like, oh, this is nice. And I appreciated in the 1994 one, but didn't really connect with that well. The same elements really connected with me more in this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know when this happens in, early on in a movie sometimes when you're just like, I'm in safe hands in this filmmaker <laughs> yeah. and I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of what I'm about to watch. Uh-huh. That's how I felt the entire time. Yeah. I was like, this is fantastic. So do you remember when I, I said that my favorite character kind of changed? Mm-hmm. So last time I watched this, so I'd seen it before. I think we mentioned that. I saw it with my sisters. And the first viewing, I really loved Amy. I liked that it was one continuous Amy. It was interesting to see her have to be aged down. And yeah, which I didn't feel like worked totally. Well, the worst, but it was okay. It was, yeah, it was fine. She just kind of seemed a little petulant because she looked like she was yes. 18 but acting like a child. Yes. The most jarring part was when she was at the school surrounded yes. by clearly tiny, like tiny 8 tiny to 10 Chris. year olds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I feel like every time I watch it, my favorite character changes. Because I like growing up, I was always like, oh, Joe. I like Joe. Joe's the best. Joe's the main character. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But every time I. Like watching these, this version of it, my, I like I just like identify with different and I I like different characters. This time I um I loved Beth. I think I like this Beth more than I like Claire Danes. I think I do too. She was just so her face is so not Claire Danes' face is also sweet, but like her face is so sweet. But she's also not as like delicate as the old Beth is, and she's still. She just seems more introverted, and has, and I, in my mind, she has a bit more of a personality. But yes. it could also just be the writing and the, how much mm-hmm. focus they give her. Yeah. I actually don't think I liked anyone more in the 1994 version than this. Although I will say, I love Winona Ryder. Certain elements of Timothy Chalamet and Christian Bale are better than the other. If that makes sense. I. I totally, I totally agree. I, I like that Timothy Chalamet's character is a bit more, he has a bit more of like a, a weird energy about him uh-huh. where he'll kind of move weird and he'll like, I don't know, which I kind of liked, but then there's, I don't know. There's just, he's there's very, elements of, 
He's... He never looks like a man. No. Ever. And Christian Bale does. Yes. You kind of expect Laurie to grow up. And Timothy Chalamet doesn't really ever do that. No. But I think he's more interesting. His character in this one is a little bit more interesting and like coarser and more, I think, more nuanced. Well, so I felt that something was going to happen more narratively in the 1994 one when uh, Laurie is seen again later and he's kind of been drinking around and gambling. Mm-hmm. And then I thought there wasn't enough conflict with him and Amy. And then they just, she's like, go get your act together. Yes. And then he does. But this one restruct the, the way that the structure is told and the emphasis is giving on different plot points, that that is a bit more, that would actually, that storyline was more satisfying in this version. Uh-huh. I love the part where he says, um, she tells him to like, go learn his grandfather's business. And he says something like, to, oh, to be worthy of St. Amy or something like that. Which I I love that line. when It's when they're talking in the art studio. Yeah. That's the same kind of like he's more aggressive. Well, and I'm sure there's... A, I'm sure all of these scenes are expanded in the book, right? Just I, because yeah, by I virtue, don't even know. By virtue of a novel versus yeah. like adapting it to film. But their entire relationship in the 1994 version is probably like two scenes. And in this, there's like four or five. Mm-hmm. That are stretched throughout the movie, so you, it feels Longer. you feel yeah you feel a bit more of the passage of time. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, that kind of brings up a little bit of a criticism I had was it was kind of confusing at points um, when it was in the when it was the seven years later or seven years earlier. And if I mm-hmm. hadn't seen the 1994 version, it would have taken me a little bit to catch on what was when certain scenes were placed when yeah. sometimes it was very obvious when they had them like paralleling each other or when her hair was short yeah or they have like a little bit of a, a different tint to the image mm-hmm. i kind of wish they would have done something to make them look a little bit different in the seven years later section or vice versa mm-hmm. i think they did a little a couple like little things like to make them look younger and more plainer when they're littler but that i feel like they could have had more not just not just joe but like more dramatic Hair differences, something like style differences. Meg is particular. Meg and Beth, because partic- Amy, Amy always has the bangs when she's younger, uh-huh. and then she her hair's usually up when she's older. But like Meg and Beth, you don't really ever see change. Like they could have had Timothy Beth Chalamet um, with Facial like a beard hair. or something different. Yeah. Also, okay. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. That, I knew that was gonna. That be. was so. I wouldn't say distracting. I wouldn't have picked him. (laughs) But it was just... It's funny because I was for certain that I would maybe recognize the dad in the 1974 version. And then he walked in and it could have been an actual person who lived in the 19th century for as well as I recognized him. And then to see like Saul Goodman walk in. I know. I I couldn't believe it. Uh, But he was good in it. He's actually very good in dramatic stuff. He's great in... Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, but have you seen Nebraska? No. He is very good in that. That's a great movie. Oh. Last time, you also had a problem with Professor Bear. Oh, yeah. And the story changed in this one, so I just wanted to revisit that and see how, if you liked it better, things you didn't like. I don't like this Professor Bear um, as much. I like that. I think he's supposed to be older, and in this one, he didn't feel older. I'm okay with that. Okay. But I feel like he had less charisma in this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I felt like he had a lot of charisma. But anyway, I wanted him to be a little bit older. And I also, there was no reason for him to be absolutely in town. Except to have the ending happen. Yeah. I feel like the other movie, the 1994 version, plays up 
why they have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like they, as we've noted, they fall in love with each other's brains. <laughs> and in this one, he kind of shits on her writing and then she goes away and then he shows up again. Like they didn't have. Well, the... He's like, oh, I was in town. I thought I'd stop by. Well, and even. I didn't in... want to bother your dinner. Even in... this one almost feels more like she just gets married to get married with that character. He shows up for an afternoon. They're like, you obviously love him. She's like, I do. And I know they kind of try to hang a lampshade on it by her, like having the meta commentary around it being like, well, she's in, that's inconsistent for her to go and get married now after the her whole arc being about how she doesn't want to get married. Yeah, but... And I agree with that. She shouldn't get married. I think it would be more interesting if she didn't. We talked about the book thing. And in the other one, he's like, oh, you've finally written something. That's your words. Oh, you finally written something that Wor- I deem worthy of my I deem worthy of my respect. And he bring he finds a publisher, he brings it to her. Yeah. That doesn't happen in this. She does it by herself. Which do you prefer? You have problems <sighs> with both. I don't know. I think I prefer the nineteen ninety four version, although I do like this one. I think it would be more interesting if she didn't get married. In fact, my own head canon <laughs> I think she didn't get married. Okay. And she just wrote it that way to appease the publisher. The very end is her between the publishers, what really happened. And she's like, fine, fine. I'll give them what they want. She got married. Okay. But in I, reality, I she didn't get married. Gotcha. That's just me, though. That's just yeah. between me and you Greta. Know, I think, yeah, I think that that's probably what she, kind of what she intended, I, well, maybe. Well, I kind of think maybe that way both camps could have Be what satisfied. they wanted. Yeah. Oh, what do you think of Amy? I thought she was really good. I did, too. I think... They could have done something with her voice to make her voice sound younger. Yes, that was that was honestly the if most. They, if jarring. they would have tweaked that, then it would have been fine. But yeah, because her voice is very low and like sultry. Yeah, and she's playing like this little girl. Well, she's technically thirteen, I guess. Oh, because he he says Timothy Chalamet says that she's a girl of twenty when she's when they're in Europe together. Um, no, I thought she was really good. You know, she's going to be in, I think she's in the Black Widow movie coming up. Yeah. And she's really good at accents. And so oh. that's how she first got picked up. People noticed that she, in her audition, she was really good with accents. And you wouldn't, you couldn't tell that she was British. So she's got a great She'll be playing American a Russian. Um, Laura Dern. She's good. Yeah. She's really good. I liked her more than Susan Sarandon. I did not. There's something coarse about Susan Sarandon that I'm, not coarse, coarse is the wrong word, but like weathered uh-huh. in Susan Sarandon that I wanted in okay. Laura Dern. Laura Dern is just, she's very, um, she's got like big Renata energy from Big Little Lies. And that's the only way I know how to describe it. There's something about her. There's, I just, I will, okay, I'll, I do like her. No, I agree. There's something a little miscast about her. How do you like, how does, how does Joe compare in the two? Joe. Oh, <laughs> Eric Stoltz. No, the main character, Joe. Oh. Holy crap. I like Sir Ronan more than... Um, Winona Ryder. Yeah. They're very different Joes. I don't love Winona Ryder. There's something about her when she acts that I feel like I know that she's acting. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I do. I don't love her as like an actress in a million other things. Like, I think she's good. I love her in Stranger Things. But like... Yeah. I love her in Little Women, but I do, I can't tell if that's because I grew up with her in, in Little Women. She was always my Joe. I think it might be. Okay, yeah, that was Little Women 1994 and Little Women 2019. Do you think this movie's going to win any Oscars? 
I sure hope so. As of this recording, the nominees have not been selected. When do they come out? I think soon. I think maybe in a week or two. I think it should win probably Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay. It, it should be nominated for Best Director and Best Picture. I don't know if it should necessarily win. I would love if, I would love if she won. What's it up against, probably? If she won Best Director? It's probably up against 1917. It's surely up against, yeah, Sam Mendes, Quentin Tarantino, Martin oh. Scorsese. Ugh. What are you talking about? Those were really good movies, I too. I know, but, like, there's no way she's going to win. She might. I mean, you have, there's all these other dumb factors when it comes to that. Like, if Martin Scorsese won, you could make the arguments because we're rewarding Martin Scorsese for being a great director for right. years. You know what I mean? Like, that's there's all these, like, makeup Oscars. <clears throat> and usually when people are young and they're nominated, sometimes people figure, like, well, they'll get another, they'll get another shot another, shot, another yeah. time. But especially after not... Not really winning much for Lady Bird. Yes. Uh, I think I would like to see Greta Gerwig. She wasn't even nominated for Best Director, was she? No. It's more offensive knowing that uh, one of the worst Best Picture winners, your favorite movie, Shape of Water, won (laughs) and won Best Director. That is a sin. She should have been nominated. She shouldn't have won. Christopher Nolan should have won for Dunkirk for Best Director because that is a masterpiece of filmmaking from a directing standpoint. Instead of your favorite movie and this is my favorite movie. one of the worst, like, it'll go down as one of the like most embarrassing moments in Oscars history. Outside of not nominating The Dark Knight for Best Picture. We're just going in circles. People are sick of us. All right, everyone. Um, if you have any questions, um, where can you find us? You can find us on Instagram at WifeWatches. Mm-hmm. Or you can find us on Twitter at Wife underscore Watches. Note the underscore. Uh, or you can eat, send us an email um, telling us which movie you'd like us to review next. Yeah. Um, that email address is mywifewatchesmovies at gmail.com. We actually did get, we got a, a request from Wesley D. Uh, hoping that at some point in the series we review the Lord of the Rings films. Oh, okay. And Harry Potter. Uh, which, oof. I wouldn't mind those. I kind of wanted to watch Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of Harry Potters. We probably, if we ever did that, it wouldn't be for a while. No. Lord of the Rings, we might, we might get to Lord of the Rings this year, but I actually have a pretty hefty list of things that would be, I thought, I think would be really fun this year. Yeah. I've, I've liked with this one, I've liked that it's been a movie, you know? Yeah. Well, I never, I I don't think I ever want to make you watch as many in a series as eight, like we did for Star Wars. (laughs) That's why Harry Potter is. That would be kind of rough. That's eight. I'm not sure about Harry Potter, but... I feel but... like a disappointment to everyone probably listening to this podcast. You think so? With Harry Potter. I feel like a lot of people listening to this would love to see Harry Potter I content. Think... And I just... Well, I didn't think I was the audience for Star Wars, so... Well, you've seen the Harry Potter movies. I have seen every single Harry Potter movie. I know nothing about Harry Potter. You couldn't... If you... Beyond book four, I have no idea what happens. <sighs> That is actually when they get great, in my opinion. Oh, man. That's when everything goes insane. We could tackle them later. Um, anyway. Oh, my gosh. It's so late. Anyway. Anyway. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Watch uh, you later. The next thing we have in the docket is we're finally going to review The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. Um, that will probably come out next week sometime. And then I think the plan from that is to do every other week, maybe on Wednesdays. Uh, depends on also when I have the time to do this. Okay. Okay. Watch you later.